Welcome back to the Enneagram Journey. Today is part two of my conversation with my husband, Joe, and my daughter, Joey, around your questions that you posted or that you sent in to us. It's our hope as we learn from one another and as we're challenged by the questions that you're asking, that today will be a show that makes your life better and that makes the world a better place. Okay, I want to answer a, a single mother who is a five with three kids. How can she bring more energy or bring the energy that's required? I was adopted and my mother was a five on the Enneagram. And um, as I've worked in, a, in circles with moms and children, lots of female fives ask me this question. How can I have enough? How can I bring enough? How can I touch enough? How can I be affectionate enough? I would say that there are intuitive things that you can learn to do. I'm going to give you a couple of examples that, that take care of everybody's needs, including your own. I, first of all, think it's so brave for a five uh, to show up for a relationship. A relationship as a parent with children who have lots of needs to be touched and held and who do lots of touching. And I think it's extremely brave of fives to show up for intimate relationships with another adult. When I was little, I had long hair and my mother would put me on the floor sitting in front of her when I was real needy and kind of cloying for her. And she would brush my hair and then she would braid it. And then she'd unbraid it and brush it again. And then she'd braid it again. And then she'd unbraid it and brush it again. And I got all of that touching. There's something very intimate about brushing somebody's hair. I got all that touching, but we were both facing the same direction, so I wasn't touching her. And I think you can find ways to um, put affection with reading a book in the child's bed with them before they go to sleep at night. There are things you can do. Now, in terms of bringing energy, I would say these two or three things. First of all, you just have to own that you have less energy than some other numbers. And so you're going to have to replenish. So most fives I know have a way of doing life that replenishes their energy that was intuitive you might need to be more intentional about how you replenish your energy. My best friend's a five on the Enneagram, and she manage her, manages her limited amount of energy by being slow. She talks slow, and she walks slow, and she eats slow. She's just slow, and that helps. My mother went to her room for two hours every afternoon and read the newspaper, and that was her way of taking care of herself. So I think you got to find a way for self-care because you can't give from an empty well. And that's your that's going to be your mantra. I love these kids. I want to give them everything they need. I can't do it from an empty well. So I'm going to have to find ways to fill mine. Y'all have anything to add to that? No, I think fives intuitively know they have that barometer of their energy. So So they've got to read that within themselves. And take care of themselves. You matter too. We've just talked about eights and fives and nines. And uh, that's great. I'm ready to talk about some feelings. And 
thankfully, we have some feeling questions. This centers around feelings for threes and fours, which is a very interesting place for us to begin to look at feelings. How can a three sit with a feeling and not move on so quickly? And how can a four maintain emotions instead of having them swing so drastically? Those are really, really good questions that have so much to do with relationships. So I feel like I could start talking about a three being able to sit with a feeling. I think part of it's discipline. I think feelings are undisciplined, and I think thinking is undisciplined, and I think doing is undisciplined. And the Enneagram shows us where that occurs. And a three can learn to hold a feeling rather than immediately get rid of the discomfort that the feeling brings. And I think the way to do it is to recognize that threes are the number that has the most difficulty reading their own feelings and reading the feelings of other people. And it's because they don't hold feelings. So the first thing you have to do is discipline yourself to not get rid of it the minute that you feel uncomfortable. I would agree. Does that work for you? I think for me, when I, it, what the discomfort I feel as an eight is when I feel um, vulnerable. That so, so if something causes me to start feeling that vulnerability, then my instant reaction, I think threes and eights both want to use that to fuel action. And if I've, I'm learning that if I can stop first and not go straight to that action, there's usually something I can learn from it. And then when I do decide to act, it's much better for the group. Okay. You work with the three very closely. Um, What would you say is the difference in how she manages feelings and how you do? So I, I work with a young three and it means that we get a lot done. Uh, But feelings are very rarely present. And I would say she is where I see the difference in our behavior is she is true to completely picking those feelings up and setting them aside before moving on. I I think that I've found a way to um, use them, to, to learn from them, and to allow me to maybe stop. Usually if I have a feeling coming up, <laughs> if it starts bubbling up, um, I have someone has misunderstood me that I care about. Oh, interesting. And I think for um, young threes, too, well, any threes, there's so much multitasking going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's so easy when a feeling comes up to just move to the task that isn't attached to that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, I think then to, to speak in three language, if you will, mm-hmm. my guess is the feeling came with that task. Don't put that task down and go to the next task. Yeah. Stay in that task. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Boy, I wish I could set feelings aside like that. You, you know, because of my tuness, feelings just stop me in my tracks. And so one of the ways my three wing is starting to help me a little bit is that I, because I'm so often working now with people I don't know, I have to just keep going. And it's been a good discipline for me. I'm doing spiritual direction for a woman pastor of a significant church in a, in a large city. 
who happens to be a three on the Enneagram. And she's trying to work very hard with recognizing her feelings in the moment. Uh, and fortunately for her, she has an eight associate pastor who is um, doing the same kind of work. And they're, they're learning to call each other on the feelings that are coming by and whether or not they're going to, to sit with them in the moment or set them aside. She also has um, a one on the Enneagram husband who is, is helping her in that process. And uh, of course, when I deal with her in spiritual direction, I'm always challenging her in that area of feelings. How did she feel about this event or how did she feel about that event? And one of the things that uh, we're working on right at the moment is for her to find some strength in the members of her congregation who are relishing the success that they've had as a congregation in the mm. changes that mm -hmm. have been made and to under her pastor under her pastor and and to feel with them the success and the joy that the changes have wrought you know one of the things i i uh, am so aware of as we continue i wonder if y'all are experiencing this when we're on the road gender difference seems to be uh more uh, obvious at times now. People are asking about gender difference, and I kind of thought, you know, we were kind of past some of that. Is her associate that's an eight, is it a male or a female? It's male. That would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah. A lot of energy in, in, in that church, but they're both so future-oriented, they just go on and on and on without stopping to challenge one another for what they're feeling about the success that they're having in the current, in the present moment. Just on to the next thing. On to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So that brings me to uh, my teaching that threes are never there when the confetti falls because they're goal setters. So they've always gone on to the next thing. So when everybody's celebrating what we just finished, they're not there for that. And that's a place of feelings. Yeah. So that would be another hint of something that would help is stay yeah. with the people. And that's kind of what you're talking about yeah. with her in terms of her parish. Yeah. Can you feel the confetti? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. All right. Good. Let's talk about fours. Um, how can a four maintain emotions instead of having them swing so drastically? Gosh, I just observed that over and over and over. A four can go through so many feelings in such a short amount of time. And they tell me they don't even know which feeling to go with. I, I um, My best friend is a four and we've worked together for 13 years now. And my son is a four. And I would say for uh, what that looks like in an adult, when um, we were just getting to know each other, I would have thought he was a one because... Every minute of his day on his calendar is, is organized and accounted for. And taking that with me as I teach now at, when I find fours, and it's usually with male fours, there is a lot of one energy in the sense of um, maintaining and keeping an order to the day. Mm -hmm. And I think that male fours intuitively keep a strict schedule as a way to contain emotions. That's really good. 
That's I, really good. I think they absolutely, I think, I think my friends intuitively done that. And I, you know, we're, as far as for my child, we, um, we're, <laughs> we are a very busy household. Mm-hmm. I have two boys. They play multiple sports. Um, Will is our four and he's playing multiple sports and in the band and we, we go and do a lot. I will say that it's been, uh, the Enneagram has been so helpful for me as a mother of a four because I know when um, we do stop long enough for Will to feel his feelings and to and to go into those emotions and to really just swim in them for a while. And it looks like, you know, I, I tell a story about being outside of our neighborhood and sharing something with him and him being in a good mood. And by the time we're in the driveway, mm-hmm. he is crying mm-hmm. and and going through uh, that disappointment that he f- that he felt from the conversation, and I think we have to allow force to do mm-hmm. that um, if they can maintain. It's so important to remember that that all of that passion and intensity is still there under the surface, and if they can put it into something um, and have you know some good feelings around it, some some strong feelings around it, that that's, that's a good thing. Do you think you would have allowed Will to have those feelings if you didn't know the Enneagram? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I've thought so often that of all the ways as an eight in in thinking that I was loving my son Mm -hmm. and, and trying to help him fit in Mm -hmm. that I would have curbed a lot of that behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I I think we try really hard to get eights to be, I mean, to get fours to be other than they are. And an eight would see fourness as, especially in a little boy mm-hmm. who's trying to fit in with other little boys. You got to stop that. Yeah. yeah. And in truth, he fits in very well. Because he's allowed to be himself. Because, I I, and I agree, because that he, he gets to have the times where, when we do arrive home and he's crying, I say, you're right. Life is not fair. Mm-hmm. And you absolutely can cry about it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, that, uh, you as an eight, were not allowed to be yourself. So that's a, I mean, we're not talking about eights particularly right now, but that's just an interesting connection that I just made. Female eights are not allowed to be themselves. They're told that they're too bossy and they need to change and they need to do things differently. I like the distinction about allowing because my initial response to the question was, I don't, I don't know how you would get a four to maintain an emotion because they seem to come by so quickly and they seem to change so dramatically and drastically from moment to moment. So the key really would be to just simply allow them to, to have that emotional change or uh, come and go or skyrocketing and mm-hmm. whatever happens um, and really just uh, to sit with and allow them those possibilities because I don't know how you would stop that from happening. Yeah, I think they can't stop it. They have to fake. Yeah. And that costs them everything because they're so connected to being authentic. Yeah. So it's just too big a price to pay. Yeah, which much. is what you've always taught us in terms of force is, is to stay connected. Like yeah. not with you know, yeah. not withdraw. Yeah, yeah. Don't go away. 
just be present to those. Be present to those. But don't you don't feel like you have to feel them or like you have to sure get or as an eight mom like you have to do something to fix the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk about twos. What a great number for Mm. us to talk about for a little bit. So the questions have to do with um, help for a two who is struggling with managing expectations and help for a two to not be distracted by the presence of others, for example, like at church. So I so could start, but I kind of want to listen to you two talk about twos for a little bit. Then I will defensively come in and (laughs) try to save myself. Well, you've always taught, Suze, that uh, all, you know, from Anne Lamott, all expectations of resentment waiting to happen. So I, I think twos have to question is themselves as to whether their expectation is, is legitimate or uh, honest or necessary. I expected to wait a little longer before jumping in, but now that I'm <laughs> in, I, I want to say that Without knowing the Enneagram, a two would expect that other people can sense and meet their needs mm-hmm. because that's what twos do. And it, it, it's, a, it's like an intuitive expectation. It's an organic expectation for twos because that's how they see the world. They see the world that way, and so they think everybody else sees the world that way. Well, both of you have had the experience of me wishing that you did something you picking up that I was unhappy, asking why. Then I tell you, you didn't do the thing. And then you've both tried to do it. And then I won't let you. I'm going to do the thing because you didn't really want to. And if I have to ask you to do the it's thing, not worth then it doesn't count. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I don't want us to go too far with that. But <laughs> what do you all have to say about that? I, I think twos just um, go through life with an expectation of how people are going to respond in various circumstances and situations because they automatically respond. I have watched you respond to life situations where it, it wasn't necessarily yours to do, but you saw the need arise and immediately felt like you had to respond to it. Somebody had to respond to it. And there was an expectation that there would be a solution or an answer all of a sudden to the situation. For, for me, I would say um, in Enneagram wisdom, we do ascribe to the world the way we, the way we see. And going further, twos not only can sense and meet your needs so they think you can sense and meet yours. I think where the rub comes is you go a step further and you, and twos, you in particular, believe that you that you receive love based on what you can do for us and in turn if we don't sense your and meet your needs i think twos sometimes intuitively and sometimes more outwardly believe then we're not loving you mm-hmm. because we don't mm-hmm. and that's not true you know it's it very interesting because it puts all of the work where it should be which is on the two to learn, to name and ask for what they need mm-hmm. and name and share what they feel. And after all these years, it just now occurred to me 
that 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 the answer to the expectations question is, is on the side of the two. The two and not the other. Two. And that's because if I ask either one of you for something that I need, you would give it to me in a heartbeat. It's about me being lazy about asking because I don't know what I need unless I do that work myself. It's interesting then to recognize that I walk through life with an expectation that you know something about me that I haven't even done the work to know myself and then haven't asked you for it and feel hurt that you didn't. But that's the real growth point for a two. And if I think if they're not doing some serious work like this with the Enneagram, they don't know what they want Mm -hmm. and don't know what they need. And their expectation is because they do so pick up on the needs of other people. They think others are going to pick up on their needs and and then meet them. And I will say as someone who loves a two so much that when twos can do that work, And outside of martyring, (laughs) ask for what, for something for the other, it is so wonderful to be able to provide that. There's a new and wonderful energy in it. It sure feels good to me. It feels authentic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think twos who haven't and aren't doing their work, manipulate to try to get what they want and that then it doesn't feel good even if it works you know we've we've talked a lot about the basic difference in I sure am thirsty and would you get me a glass of water it's uh it's just so different so twos have to take it another step which is what you're talking about and not just know what they need and ask for it they have to know what they need and ask for it directly I want to move on to the the second one of those questions because because I've experienced this with you in the sense that you some I wouldn't say the word is necessarily distracted, but you notice what other people need and you notice other people's presence. And if I can give an example that that does go ahead. (laughs) I gotta be cautious here. (laughs) (laughs) You and I uh about a week or two ago, went out to dinner to at one of our favorite restaurants to just celebrate the fact that you've completed your second book, The Path Between Us, which is going to be exciting. And we were sitting there at the table and you, during dinner, happened to notice another couple at a table nearby that were struggling in their relationship with, with one another. And it didn't offend me in any way, shape or form. But it it was aware that you just sitting at our table in discussion and dinner with me noticed at another table a young couple that was having a difficulty. And I've seen you do that in airports. I've seen you do that in workshops. I've seen you do that in all sorts of situations where you just have this heightened sense of what's what's taking place between they need me they need they need an answer Mm -hmm. they need me they need an answer they need a solution to whatever their problem is and i could offer them something okay i'm gonna really uh trust the two of you here to be honest in responding to what i'm fixing to say about that story um so here's what here's what i believe happened not what i made up this is what I believe. And they were not at a table that was right next to us. No, they, they, were, were, they were. We little, couldn't hear anything no, they were saying. No, couldn't hear the conversation. So they, they're a young couple. They arrived at dinner. They're both doing really 
happy and they're great and I'm happy with daddy. And then he has a, he picks up a gift bag and out of it, he starts to hand her, uh, no, he hands her the whole gift bag and she starts to take things out of it. So it's clear to me that it's a gift from him to her. And the first thing is a book and she very slowly looks at it like she looks through pages and then her demeanor starts to sink and sink and sink. And then he hands her another book and it doesn't get better. And then she pulls a third book out of the bag and now she's crying. So by this time, I know they both have on wedding rings. He's held her hand only one time. So I figure they're together. These books are not making things better. They're making them, making her sadder. And I decided that I knew what was wrong and that all I needed to do was just kind of walk over there and say, you know, it's obvious y'all are struggling and I, I, I think I can probably help. And I don't do that anymore, but I could see myself doing that. It's kind of embarrassing in this context, but in the moment, not doing it felt kind of cold and uncaring. Is that so embarrassing? I shouldn't be saying it. No, I don't. I don't. Think not at it, all. I, I think it is. I think it is a purple. It's a perfect description of uh, what happens to twos. They pick up on other people's feelings so naturally. And so quickly that they almost cannot help but notice and and see that it's happening. And that's that's not just relegated to twos. I mean, I in in a similar situation, I find myself very often, you know, the thing for eights is identifying problems and planning possible solutions. I'll be somewhere and see someone who's, it's not working for something. They're about to come up against a problem Mm -hmm. and I know the solution and I'm going to, I can watch them sit there and not figure out the solution or I could help them with the solution. And that's fascinating because you're, you're doing dominant and that's a doing response and I'm feeling dominant and mine is a feeling response. And it wouldn't even dawn on me to get involved. No, it would not. Because I'm doing repressed. Yes. Which means if Daddy and Billy went to dinner, they would be with each other. And if you and I went to dinner together, we would be every, we wouldn't, Mm -hmm. yeah, we Mm -hmm. wouldn't be with each other. So um, I'm working on that because I don't want to miss dinners with you. It, by the way, was an incredibly wonderful dinner with you. I know. Celebrating all of it. We had a lot to celebrate and it it was wonderful, but I don't want to miss moments with you at dinner. For both of us, I don't want to. And so I keep going back to my standby question, which is, what is mine to do? What is mine to do? What is mine to do? And that's my advice for the person who asked this question. You just have to ask yourself over and over, what is mine to do? Is that mine to get involved in? Do I even have anything to offer? Would they want my help? You know, you and Jenny taught me that I help a lot when people don't want my help. And I think if twos don't stop themselves and ask those questions, they over-involve themselves in other people's lives, people who are close to them and people who are strangers. And you do it naturally. I was teaching Enneagram recently and um, in a church setting with the church staff, uh, and there were several twos on the staff. And they kind of jokingly discussed how their path to the restroom outside of the office it was how it was nearly impossible to do that without being stopped by someone who needed help. And I really challenged these people with the rest of us do it without being stopped. 
So twos, I think, also need to identify in themselves how much of that is, um, how how much how much they're contributing to being stopped mm-hmm. and asked for mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we um, put out some kind of signal that we want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. That then often is misperceived. Okay, let's talk about sevens. How can a seven practice or get to moderation? This person is struggling with binging and restricting and restricting and then binging. Boy, that's a good question. Let's talk about moderation first. How would y'all define moderation? That's a tough question for an eight. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Probably a tough question for a nine. Yes, it too. is. It is. <laughs> so it's interesting that you would ask. Moderation, I think, for a seven, what is enough to do a project or to handle a situation well? Uh, go ahead. Well, see, I'm I'm thinking in two ways. When you say that, and when you say it's enough, I'm thinking of my, um, you know, my relationship with my brother, who's a seven, and we are very close. And we think that our youngest, Sam, who's nine, is probably a seven. And in thinking about Sam and thinking about Joel, I don't think the question is, what is enough so that you, how did you word it? What is enough so that so that you can be successful in a, in a situation or circumstance. When I'm thinking about Sam and Joel, I'm thinking, what is enough before you get in trouble? Oh. I think talking about binging and restricting, though, we're talking about trouble on both ends. That seems to be extreme. Well, I mean, that's the two extreme ends of the stick, binging and restricting. Okay. So, so let's try this. I think with sevens, they are looking for one thing, and it's literally the good understanding, the the high side of being satisfied. And I think they look at satisfaction from any place on the spectrum. I think they look to be satisfied with less. They look to be satisfied with more. They They just want to experience being satisfied. And I think we make a mistake when we think about sevens that satisfaction is always going to be about more because I, I I don't think that's necessarily true. I agree with that. This is a hard question for me to, to find out, you know, a practice that will get them to moderation. See, I think the practice would be staying toward the middle. I, I definitely think As that's the answer. As opposed to going to one extreme or the other. And there's not generally a lot of satisfaction anywhere near the middle for fours and sevens on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. I think you're exactly right. And I think maybe what I was trying to say enough, I was trying to say the same thing. The middle. In terms of being in the middle. Having looked at it one more time, I think I could say this. In terms of how can a seven practice or get to moderation, I think I could say by incrementally doing with less. 
you, instead of trying to handle everything with one, I'm not ever going to do that again. I'm not, you know, I'm done with all of it. I don't think that works. I don't think that works for anybody, but I particularly don't think it would work for a seven. So I think they would have to, like, let's say a seven is, is exercising too much. Mm-hmm. Rather than stop exercising, I think they would just have to incrementally find a place of, define a place of moderation and then incrementally work, work their way to, to that place and find a way to be satisfied there or content there. I thank you both so much for doing questions and responses with me. We represent uh, the three different stances. We represent uh, two generations. We have a lot of history together. So I hope we can do it again. I think it's going to be always better for questions and responses if there are more voices at the table. So thank you both for giving up time to spend the morning answering questions with me. Thanks for asking. Thank you. I hope you'll join me in Edmond, Oklahoma on February 23rd and 24th for a Know Your Number conference. You can get more information at lifeinthetrinityministry.com about registration and about the event. It's a good opportunity for you to bring a friend to a Know Your Number workshop because it's changed your life and you want to offer it to them. And it's a great way for you to come listen for the number you go to in stress and the number you go to in security. Hope I see you there. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.